0: Hark! How the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, escape pod, 231. December 25th, 2009 Today's story,
1: Solitary as an Oyster, by Merle Lafferty
0: Merry Christmas, and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. Surprise! I suspect a lot of you downloaded yesterday's episode, the Jim Kelly story that was our usual Thursday release, and thought, What? No Mer Lafferty Christmas story? Humbug! Or words to that effect. But no, we're keeping with the Escape Pod tradition. We had the Jim Kelly story already, and Mer's story came a bit later in the production schedule, because Mer's been very busy with agents and book promotions and things. Yeah, I know, what awful priorities. But we did get it, I loved it, and we're happy to give it to you as a bonus episode this week. I kept it secret just because, well, that's how presents are supposed to work, right? So it's our pleasure to bring you Solitary as an Oyster by Murr Lafferty. Miss Lafferty lives in North Carolina and has been called the Grand Dame of Podcasting. Her books include Tricks of the Podcasting Masters, the superhero novel Playing for Keeps, and the Heaven series. She's a former editor for Pseudopod, and her current podcasting projects include I Should Be Writing and the brand new Tor.com podcast, presenting audio versions of the stories on Tor's website. That's definitely one to check out. And she's had numerous stories on Escape Pod previously, including Santa in My Pocket, Christmas 2005, Merry Christmas from the Heartbreakers, Christmas 2006, City Talkers, Christmas 2007, and As Dry Leaves That Before the Wild Hurricane Fly, Christmas 2008. Like the previous, this story is an Escape Pod original. The story is narrated for us by Escape Artist's comrade-in-arms Alistair Stewart, host of our horror podcast Pseudopod, and becoming a powerhouse in his own right, as managing editor of Hub Magazine, a columnist in The Guardian, and senior adventure writer for the upcoming Doctor Who role-playing game. Al is also, and it's Christmas so I'm invoking my right to be sappy, one of the nicest and most genuinely giving human beings I've ever had the opportunity to work with. Thank you, Al, for coming through for us one more time, and for the personal pleasure of your friendship. Okay, the sappy part's over now. Lead on! Lead on! The MP3 file is waning fast, and it is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, story time!
1: Solitary as an Oyster by Mer Lafferty "'Molly alive to begin with,' Lydia said from the passenger seat as we zoomed down the desolate road at 11pm. Robert drove, and Jenny lurked in the back seat, camera rolling. "'There is no doubt about that. This chap is alive and kicking.' Robert groaned. "'Lydia, please, can you just give me what you dug up about the guy, and why we can't wait till Boxing Day?' She flipped to the page that had her notes. "'The phone call said the guy had seen one ghost, and it told him he would see three more tonight.' We're talking direct communication with it. This isn't mysterious spook sighting. This is full on ghost talking to you, sitting down and swapping some stories over a, a bowl of Christmas pudding. Is that what happened? he asked. Well, she said. Not as such. This Scrooge person doesn't seem to be the Christmas pudding type. Anyway, he says they're coming tonight. I think this chap Marley's having some fun with him. But even if he is putting us on, isn't that why we're here? Robert nodded wearily. He and Lydia were the paranormalists, professional ghost hunters, the type that did more debunking than supernatural investigation. They had a very popular television show that chronicled their investigations. They had debunked most of their investigations, and the others were too confusing to fully identify as ghost or scam. Those vague episodes had the best ratings. Jenny was the silent third, the camera operator, the one who was with them every step of the way, but who had little to add. She recorded everything they did, for the editors to chop up and put on the telly. She was paid well for her silence and largely ignored, except when the camera was on her shoulder. Sometimes, though, they liked to include her, addressing the camera directly. She was expected to nod, or shake a little, or make some other adorable movement to indicate emotion. But she was never, ever allowed to speak. It grated at times. Lydia was the sceptic, Robert was the believer, Jenny was supposed to be the emotions of the audience, evoking what she thought they would be feeling, but honestly leading their emotions to the producer's preferred conclusion. Robert was the producer, Lydia was the director, so if Jenny didn't react the way they wanted, they just did another take. Lydia looked over the seats to her in the back, grinning for the camera. "'So what do you think, Jenny? "'Is he rubbish for pulling us out of bed on Christmas Eve to chase ghosts?' She thought for a moment. If Lydia didn't like her answer, she'd just frown, say, retake, and they'd go again with a different reaction. But she thought about her cold apartment, the empty bed, and the very sad little plastic half-metre Christmas tree sitting on her coffee table with three burnt-out lights. She tilted the camera a little and moved it up in a small shrug-like movement. That was her, we'll-have-to-see, gesture. Lydia nodded. I guess you're right. We'll be there at about 15, so let's go over what we know about Mr. Scrooge. That was Jenny's cue. Lydia was letting the viewer know that the rest would be very boring, or too revealing, and Jenny could stop filming. She put the camera down. OK, I managed to get some information. We'll reveal it in a voiceover, Lydia said, turning back to face the road, her voice losing the happy little lilt that she saved only for the camera, only for the viewers. You're welcome. "'Jenny said softly, leaning back into the corner of the seat "'and resting the camera on her lap. "This a better win us a sodding BAFTA, that's all I'm saying,' Robert said. "'My wife is livid that you pulled me out tonight.' "'Lydia snorted. "'Well, it's the last time, so once you make up, it won't happen again, will it?' "'They were silent for a moment while Lydia pretended to look at her folder, "'the light of her travel lamp bouncing onto her frowning face. "'In truth, this was their last show, their last hurrah.' The network had decided to move on to the next hot topic, and we were all out of jobs come the New Year. Robert was going to write books, Lydia was going to look for work in the morning show circuit, and Jenny figured everyone needed a camera operator sooner or later. "'This is the mother load for you. I don't know why you're not more excited,' Lydia said. "'He didn't say he saw a shade. He says he saw a real ghost!' Robert shrugged. "'I'm sure it'll be fantastic.' "'But it is cold.' and I can think of a couple of other places I'd rather be than some old chaps, marrow looking for ghosts on Christmas Eve. or you lot? Lydia snorted again and pulled out a new slipping. Reciprocated, I'm quite sure. Okay, so this Scrooge person is some sort of banking tycoon. He was in business with Marley till seven years ago when Marley supposedly died. She looked at Robert meaningfully, although we know he didn't, because he's here, messing with Scrooge. Right now. "'Did Molly have any sort of illusionist or con-artist past?' Robert asked. Lydia squinted. "'Not that I can see. Rich men getting richer, no matter what. That's about all I can tell. Scrooge is apparently a right bastard, stepping on his employees, underpaying and ruthless during hard times. He's had seventeen employee harassment claims brought up, and it was determined that he's never discriminated against anyone for sex, race, or whatever. "'He just hates everyone else.' "'Sounds like a winner,' Robert said. "'Remind me again why we're here.' "'Because he's well-known,' Lydia said. "'He's powerful. "'When we blow this wide open, which we will, "'the attention will be huge.' "'Robert smirked briefly. "'And if it's legit?' "'Lydia choked back a laugh. "'Then I guess it's even bigger. "'But that likelihood is tiny. "'And you know it.' "'Scrooge,' They lived in a manor outside of London, pretty remote, on a tract of land that looked like one of those that had once belonged to a poor farmer, and now often belonged to footballers. His manor looked like a farmhouse that had been added to over the generations. They could tell right away that Scrooge was an odd one. He clearly spared no expense in some areas. The iron fence and gates that protected his property were long, tall, imposing, and likely expensive, while the landscaping was, as far as they could tell in the darkness, completely neglected. Dead hedges butted up against the manor, while ivy choked a disused barn. The house was noticeably devoid of any holiday decorations. One dismal light glowed feebly from a third-floor window. Jenny, camera, night vision, Lydia instructed. Jenny hoisted her camera and flicked on the night vision capability. Her camera was the -the state-of-the-art night vision device. It had an image intensifier. It had an infrared lens. In theory, according to the metaphysical and spiritual experts, the ectoplasmic range sat right outside infrared, so if any camera would be suited to pick up a ghost, it was Jenny's. Her companions appeared green and ghostly, like lumbering, glowing apes. She started recording, lifting her ballast lava over her mouth as a physical reminder not to give any verbal responses. The two lumbering green show host beasts gathered their recording equipment and headed toward the door. "'Here's the first spotting of the ghost,' Lydia said. "'He said the knocker took on the face of Marley.' "'Jenny zoomed in on the door, "'which was just a black rectangle to her vision. "'So what do you think, Jenny?' Lydia asked. "'She zoomed in closer on the door, "'looking for any sign of activity, "'but decided it was enough black screen for the viewer. "'She focused on Lydia and shook the camera carefully. "'No.' "'Lydia's green hand lifted the knocker "'and she slammed it down twice. "'They heard Little Dog bark furiously,' A series of nervous shuffles approached the door. Who's there? The voice asked, rough and unpleasant. Robert and Lydia glanced at each other. The paranormalists, Mr. Scrooge. You called us a couple of hours ago, Robert said. Took you long enough, the voice said. The door clicked as Scrooge unlocked several locks and finally it slid open a couple of centimetres. Scrooge, he peered out, the heavy chain still on the door. Jenny flipped the night vision off a camera to get a clear view of him in the foyer's dim light. He was much, much smaller than his voice, a diminutive man who was probably a bear in the conference room, but a pussycat when in thin pyjamas and a robe. Well... Maybe not a pussycat. Maybe something more like a weasel. Thin, beady eyes, longish nose and wispy white hair that was attempting to hold on to an illusion of being full and luxuriant. He peered up, his eyes limbering for a moment on Robert, then Lydia. Then the camera. Jenny surreptitiously zoomed in on his untrusting face as he sneered at her. You don't look like you do on TV, he said, but shut the door to release the chain. Well, come in. i no fancy letting all the heat out. All the heat turned out to be none of it, as the temperature failed to get noticeably warmer as they stepped inside his dismal manner. Jenny thanked whatever God was brave enough to accompany us on this trip that she had worn fingerless gloves she didn't need to remove. Robert and Lydia weren't as lucky. As hosts, they had to look good, so they stripped off their outerwear. Robert kept his red silk scarf around his neck. It went well with his black sweater, but Lydia shivered as she draped her coat over her arm. Let's go somewhere we can talk, Mr. Scrooge, Robert said smoothly. The old man glared at him, and then beckoned up the hall. The house looked as if a desperate real estate agent was trying to sell a run-down manor. While large and probably worth a lot of money, in theory, there were no decorations, no photographs or paintings, and the wallpaper peeled from the walls as if it refused to have anything more to do with them. The carpet was worn and tired. He finally led them to a sitting-room where a dim, dim fire burned. Without being invited, Lydia gratefully took a seat on a wooden bench by the fire. Robert allowed Mr. Scrooge to sit in the large easy chair opposite the fire and then sat beside Lydia. Jenny found a good spot in the corner to record them all. So tell us what happened, Robert led off with his standard reply, his voice as calming as he could make it. I told her on the phone, Scrooge said, pointing at Lydia. For the benefit of our viewers, so we can hear it in your own words, he asked. Scrooge had rumped and settled back in his chair, and for a moment, Jenny expected its girth to devour his slight body. He glanced at a clock above the mantel. I thought I saw the face of my old partner, Jacob Marley, in my door knocker, but I put it down to the fog, and these old eyes are not quite what they used to be. Then, after dinner, he appeared to me, wrapped in chains and dragging safe deposit boxes. And did he make any sort of noise, like a howling or a thumping? Lydia asked, leaning forward eagerly. Scrooge looked at her like she were mad. Of course not, he said. He came through the door, and I mean through the door, sat down on that bench and had a conversation with me. Robert nodded, shifting uncomfortably on the bench where it transpired the ghost had apparently sat. And what did he say? He said that he was miserable in hell, but he was here to warn me. I wondered why hell would let him out to tell me, since I know my home is not the most welcoming. But it has to be better than hell. He did not answer. Scrooge paused. Robert and Lydia waited for a moment. Then, gently, Robert prodded. What is he warning you against? None of your business, Scrooge barked, and immediately contradicted himself. He was warning me I'd be visited by three spirits. I didn't much like the one spirit i met tonight, so I called you. What are the three spirits supposed to do? Medea asked. Haunt me, or something, Scrooge said, crossing his arms and leaning back again. How should I know? All I know is they're coming at 1am, and you need to be here to stop them. Robert glanced at his watch. This was a cue to Jenny, and so she held her large illuminated digital watch in front of the camera. Twelve thirty-four. So we have half an hour to prepare, Medea said. Can you give us some time to get set up? The question was to Scrooge, but it was another cue to Jenny, this time to cut so they could talk off camera. She lowered the camera and sat back in the shadows, hunkering down in her coat. Take what you need, he said. I'm going to put our slippers on. He headed for the interior door to his bedroom, Jenny assumed, and slammed it behind him. What a delightful man, Robert said. I am so glad we're here. Shut up, Robert, Lydia said. This man is a gold mine. This could even save the show if it's big enough. ''Let's record the next bit,'' Robert said, and Jenny got ready. ''To Lydia,'' he said. ''So what do you make of it?'' ''I've never heard of a ghost acting like that,'' she said. ''It would take an awful lot of power to appear fully formed and have full-computed conversations.'' ''Or sophisticated computer-generated delusion, the likes of which we have not previously seen,'' Robert countered, ''He doesn't seem drugged or mad, so that's out. ''Yes,'' Lydia said. ''What do you make of it, Jenny?'' "'Oh, now they want my opinion,' she thought, gritting her teeth, "'but angled the camera at Lydia's bag, zooming in on it. "'This indicated she thought Lydia, with her equipment designed to expose illusions, "'would have the better chance. "'So we're going with the illusion theory?' Robert asked. "'Jenny nodded. "'So what's the first move?' "'Cone the house,' Lydia said. "'Lock all the doors, make sure no one can come in, "'and then make sure no one is hiding inside. "'Then we wait and see.' "'We'll best get to it, then. We don't have a lot of time,' Robert said." and like that, they were off to hunt three spirits. Sometimes, when they had to cover large areas, they gave Lydia or Robert individual cameras, although Jenny preferred working one-on-one with Robert. She was, more often than not, bed with Lydia. So, Robert went off alone to check the doors in the house, and Lydia and Jenny checked the rooms for any other inhabitants determined to find Molly. Scrooge lived alone in this draughty old house, and it showed. Some of the rooms were entirely disused to the dust, a thick blanket half an inch high on the floors. They'd open a door, snap on the light, pan the camera around. No deep, brittle, neglected furniture, the moth-eaten curtains, and then Jenny would film while Lydia would check out the hiding places in the room, closets under the bed, and she'd even thump dramatically on the wall for effect to find secret doors. Lydia pronounced the second and third floors clear, and they prepared to head up to the attic when a shriek sounded from Scrooge's room. Here is where the professional sensibilities kick in. Some people would drop everything and run the other way, others would run towards the shriek to help. Lydia and Jenny were professionally bound to do the latter, but also to film usable material on the way. And they usually didn't get a second take. They took off, Lydia in front looking over her shoulder. That sounded bad. They dashed down the hall, Jenny holding the camera as still as she could as she filmed the walls streaking by Lydia, who was, of course, still talking. I don't know where, Robert, but we have to move. Their steps thundered on the thin carpet as they ran down to the first rooms they'd visited, Scrooge's antechamber, and burst through his bedroom door. Jenny liked to think they were always prepared for weird shit, but even she managed to be surprised once in a while. What they found when they entered the room was Scrooge's window standing straight open, the white curtains flapping in the cold night breeze. The room itself was empty. Lydia ran to the window and Jenny followed, remembering this time to switch on night vision. She adjusted her grip and focused first on Lydia as she said, Do you see anything? Jenny looked straight down, preparing for the worst, knowing she had to get the shot, and if Scrooge was dead, they could just edit it out. And that was a decision for later. And oddly, the only thing on the ground was a thin strip of fabric. Do you see that? What is it? Lydia asked. Jenny focused back on her and shrugged. She sighed and said, fine, cut. Okay, this is... This is very weird. We need to find Robert. The canter gone far, Jenny said. Insightful, Lydia said, rolling her eyes. Jenny squirmed at the retort. Do you want to stick together? We don't know what happened to them. Despite herself, she looked around nervously. No, we'll cover more ground apart, Lydia said, not looking at her. Jenny gritted her teeth. "'All right. Why don't you look for him inside, and I'll look around outside.' Lydia nodded, and after a quick check of the closet and the bed, left the room. Jenny turned the camera back on and took a more leisurely view. The unoccupied closet with the musty sad suits, the grimy floor under the bed, and the dim nightlight. With one more peek outside at the fabric, she left the room, turning the audio down to keep out Lydia's shouting for Robert. Outside, Jenny jogged around the house to find Scrooge's window. The night air cut through her warm jacket and made her wish she'd suggested she take the inside. She found the window and searched the ground underneath, spotting the fabric right away. She picked it up and her stomach lurched as she recognised Robert's silk scarf. This was getting deeply, deeply weird. She held it up to the camera and then panned around, night vision on, looking for anything. She turned up the infrared sensitivity, but apart from some small, warm bodies in the trees bordering Scrooge's property... There were no warm beings around. She headed back inside. Lydia was in the kitchen, leaving a voicemail for Robert when Jenny found her. She wordlessly handed her Robert's scarf. Lydia frowned, fingering the silk. You didn't find anyone outside? She asked. Jenny shook her camera now. Lydia thought, well then, they, they have to be in the house. Jenny trained the camera on the dog bowls on the floor, then looked back up at Lydia. ''Yes, good point. Where is that yappy dog?'' she asked. Jenny reached into the camera's viewing angle and mind knocking on the door. ''Of course,'' Lydia said. They walked up to the front door and rang the doorbell several times. The dismal bells echoed in the hallway, but no little dog came running. ''This makes no sense,'' Lydia said. ''Scrooge, Robert, that little dog.'' Gone, I not don't, I don't get it. She looked up, suddenly vulnerable. Do you think we should call the police? Jenny paused. Calling the cops was just something they didn't do. Involving law enforcement almost always put an end to their investigations. If it hadn't been their co-host missing, she wouldn't have even considered it, but this was different. She nodded. Go around the house one more time. I'll look inside again and then we'll call, Lydia said. Jenny sighed quietly, keeping it out of the mic's range. Jenny stepped outside again. Scrooge's house wasn't small, and she went around the the perimeter, looking for any signs of life. Even if someone had died, the body would still be warm enough to register. She ended up under Scrooge's room and dropped the camera, even though her naked eye picked up a lot less detail. The flash nearly overwhelmed her, and she winced, backing away. She scrambled for her camera and glanced up again, but there was nothing but a bright stream of light coming from Scrooge's open window, like a lorry with its headlights on. Jenny snapped back to reality and started filming, but the light had died. The camera picked up nothing. She kept the camera on her shoulder and ran back inside. Lydia would have had a head for that lapse. Lydia was not in the hallway or in Scrooge's room. Robert, however, was. He sat against the wall, his African skin, suddenly ashy and pale... His eyes puffy as if he'd been crying. Jenny focused in on him, and he looked balefully up at her. She reached down and helped him up, still filming. He just looked. Finally, Jenny placed her hand over the lens, her own rarely used indication to cut, and lowered the camera. What the hell happened? Where's Scrooge? Robert's eyes narrowed briefly. He sat heavily on the bed, and then made a motion for her to start filming again. Jenny made a face at him, but raised the camera. He stayed silent for a moment, then said, (sighs) I saw my parents. I saw the Christmas where they left me with my grandmother when they went to the beach. That was the Christmas granny died. I saw my first job. I saw the woman who got fired so I could get her job. I wasn't a nice man. There were other things. Private things. He glanced briefly upwards. I saw you. Jenny held up her hand and motioned for him to follow her. This conversation shouldn't be one-sided. It needed another voice. They had to get Lydia. She took a step toward the door. He looked at her questioningly, then nodded. Oh, you don't get it yet. It's just you and me now. Scrooge and Lydia are gone with the second ghost. Disbelief warred briefly with shock, and it took a good five seconds to realise that if Robert had accompanied Scrooge with the first ghost, and Lydia had gone to see number two, that would leave Jenny with the third. Robert hadn't got any footage. He handed Jenny his webcam, and she discovered it had been recording the whole time from the inside of Robert's pocket. She made an exasperated noise and turned the audio all the way up, just barely past the ocean-like noise of Robert's trousers rubbing across the mic. She could hear, Mom! Mom, don't leave me with Granny again! Please! It was really rather pathetic. Jenny rubbed her face. The harsh light and warmth of the kitchen, as they had finally turned up the heat in Scrooge's absence, had brought back her naturally sceptical nature. I don't know what game you're playing, Robert. She said. If this is to increase ratings, why didn't you tell me? I could have gotten better footage than this. He slammed his hand on the table. For God's sake, I didn't make this up. Scrooge didn't take me to a secret room to scare yet, and he's not there with Lydia now. <laughs> so was Scrooge with you when you were watching these bits from your past? He frowned, remembering. I could sort of tell he was there, like in my periphery. He said something about Belle, and a word like... Fuzzy wig or something. He cried. I don't know anymore. Jenny made a rude noise. And this ghost, did you get any proof of him? His eyes lost focus as he remembered, looking blankly at the kitchen table. I wouldn't say it was a man or woman. It was childlike, but it was very old. Sexless. It didn't say much, it just showed. We flew out the window and then. We went back. Oh, right, so a sexless, ageless ghost took you and Scrooge and showed you your past, and so then you came back and they took Lydia. He led. Do you think I'm having fun? Do you think it was easy for me to see all of that? Tears brimmed in his eyes. My son was so beautiful. Jenny sighed and sat back in her chair. Robert was apparently severely messed in the head. He had a daughter. He did not have a son. Well, you have to finish this job. I can only do so much without narrating. He kept staring at the table, his fingers tracing a lazy eight in the wood grain. Jenny hefted her camera and said, I'm going to look for Lydia. He put his face in his hands. Despite him, Jenny turned on the camera and filmed him at the table as she backed out of the kitchen. It had to be the stress of the job. This Scrooge chap must have messed him up pretty good. She should recommend a drug test when they got back to the studio to make sure that Scrooge didn't dose them. Jenny did a half-hearted check of the other rooms. If Scrooge was taking them places, she needed to find out where. Robert was convinced he'd flown, for Christ's sake. Any number of hallucinogenic drugs could have caused that. Jenny hadn't been aware of the hum in the weak furnace until it was gone, and it vanished along with all the light. She flipped on the night vision and kept moving, looking for Lydia. She tried to be grateful for the darkness. This allowed her to search for heat signatures in the walls, or look for hidden doorways, but honestly, it was creepy. Solo work didn't seem quite so enticing anymore. As she neared Scrooge's rooms again, the faint scent of roast goose tickled her nose, banishing the musty old man smell of the house. And Robert started cooking. That wouldn't have made the night any weirder. She thought about going downstairs, but then she caught sight of the heat signatures she sought. Two bodies in Scrooge's bedroom. Grinning and triumphant, Jenny opened Scrooge's door to find only Lydia, sitting on Scrooge's bed, staring blankly at the wall. She ran up to her and lightly slapped her cheek, then looked around the room for effect. Where was Scrooge? Lydia blinked and looked at Jenny, tears welling in her eyes. I didn't know it was so bad for you, she said. I'm so sorry. Jenny grimaced and looked around again. The scent of food hung in the room, and she went into the antechamber where the fire had dwindled to one or two hot coals. Don't worry, Lizzie called. It'll be over soon. And the door slammed closed. Jenny ran to the door and tried to open it. Failed. The door to the hall was similarly blocked. Then the reedy, gasping voice of Scrooge came from the other side of the room. She jumped. I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. She walked up to him as he knelt on the floor, wanting to say, No, you twat, you're in the presence of an extremely pissed-off camera woman. But, still professional, she shook her camera down. Scrooge wasn't looking at her. He was looking at something beyond. She looked to, night vision showing the room in a green light, but still she saw nothing. Scrooge reached up to Jenny and grasped her sleeve. She recoiled, but then realised he wanted help getting up. She checked his hands. He didn't appear to be holding any sort of drug or chloroform-soaked handkerchief, so she gingerly grasped his forearm, her own hands prickling at the contact with his dry, paper-thin skin sliding over muscleless bones. He held onto her arm and drew her forward. I am glad you're here, he whispered. I can't imagine doing this journey alone. Jenny swivelled the camera around, scanning the room, looking for any sign of what he was talking about. As far as she could see, they were alone. She'd felt more real ghosts on some of the missions they'd debunked. Scrooge looked intently at something past her shoulder. Do you see it? Will you come with me? Will you learn? Just for the hell of it, she turned off her night vision and focused the camera at the darkness. Nothing. In frustration, she lowered the camera and then nearly yelled out loud. Lit by the dying coals of the fire, the figure stood before them, the thing Scrooge had been fixated on. It was tall and gangly, gargantuan, at least seven and a half feet tall, cloaked in a heavy black robe that covered its entire body. Huge black wings folded against its back, the feathers trailing on the dirty floor. It gestured to them, extending its arm. The sleeve was long, draped over the hand, and Jenny suddenly very much did not want to see what was hidden within. Come, it has things to show us, Scrooge said, and pulled her forward. The great wings extended and flapped once. A fetid wind hit their faces, and then... they were somewhere else. Robert stood at a gravesite, placing a handful of daisies and a little plastic blue truck on a tiny stone marker set in the grass. His face was a little more lined, his hair a little more grey. He tried to clear away leaves and overgrown grass on the stone, and Jenny moved a little closer. It read, Brian Jones Peterson B. 24 12 95 D, twenty four twelve ninety five, A bright flame extinguished too soon. He stood with his hands in his overcoat pocket, head bowed. I'm so sorry, Monique. He turned and left. Jenny glared at the spirit. This is Robert's deal. I mean, it's sad that some kid died 15 years ago, but he had to have been, what, 16? And what does that have to do with me? The wings extended again, and then they were with Lydia in a chilly basement. She was much older, going through Christmas decorations with another woman whose blonde braid peeked out from under a bright yellow sun hat. They looked at each other, holding them up, and then they would carefully put each decoration into two piles, one to keep, one to donate. A third pile formed in the bin. Lydia held one up, one that Jenny knew Robert had given her just last year, from my old co-host. We had some good times. He was a good friend once. She smiled sadly and put the little drumming child in the keeper pile. ''Are you still in touch?'' the woman asked. Lydia shrugged. ''We lost touch after... after the show ended. I think he took his family to Wales or something.'' She looked very sad for a moment and the woman hugged her, nuzzling her cheek. Jenny realised with a shock that they were lovers, combining ornaments for their first Christmas together. ''Lydia? Gay?'' Lydia then held up another ornament, a miniature rocking horse made of straw. Jenny had given it to her two years ago, purchased as an afterthought from a druggist store on the way to the BBC Christmas party. Lydia frowned at it and tossed it in the bin. "'Not important?' the woman asked. Lydia shrugged. It was given by someone who worked on the show. "'I mistook our relationship early on when I had come out, and I was looking for a friend. "'She was not that person. My family had disinherited me.' I was desperate for a friendly face. It wasn't hers. The woman smiled slightly. Then I guess you're still not in touch with her anymore. Lydia stared at the bin. That would be very difficult at this point. Anyway, how do you feel about mulling up some wine? I'm getting rather chilled. The spirit, exte- the spirit extended its wings again. And away they went. Lydia gay? When did this happen? And what did she mean that Jenny wasn't that person? It was Robert and Lydia who ignored Jenny, not the other way round.' She didn't have much time to think about it. They were then in her small flat, dark and dusty. It had picked up the same feeling that Scrooge's house had, that the house had died, and all the occupant had to do was catch up. Jenny's sister, Catherine, long estranged, sat at the kitchen table, hands wrapped round a mug, Christmas carols tinkled from her headphones as she flipped through a photo album. They made up? Jenny went up behind her and looked at the album, where the girls were children, playing in their grandmother's house under the stairs. Jenny was dressed up like a princess, Catherine like a dragon. Catherine flipped more pages and then they were graduating, her from college, Jenny from high school. After that, the pictures stopped. Why did you cut yourself off, sis? "'She asked softly, "'Because I have no patience for the world,' Jenny said at last. "'The world focuses on the pretty, the talented, the older sister, the charming hosts. "'Never focused on me. "'The usual litany of things that had been done to hold her down washed over her. "'Camera instead of host, bit part instead of star, best friend instead of girlfriend, "'the second sister, the woman who lived alone, the quiet loner. "'Everyone had held her back, held her down. "'None of it was her fault. None of it.' The spirit looked at her then, and she got the uncomfortable sense that it was like her filming someone else. How many watched her through that lens? How many knew her? How many were silently asking her, Is that how it really is? Did you ever push people away? Did you ever set up this life you have? She felt tears welling up. Are you saying I'm dead? She looked up at the figure. "'So now what? We're all going to die. What's the point Show showing me this? My sister, who hates me, flips through my photo album. Lydia doesn't talk to me anymore, and Robert mourns a kid from fifteen years ago. What's the point?' The figure dipped its head, its wings extended, this time not flapping, but enveloping her in darkness and warm mustiness. She struggled, beating against the heavy, hot wings, panicked that perhaps this, perhaps now, would be the moment where she died, the moment she was killed.' She cried out and landed on the wooden floor of Scrooge's antechamber, in front of the now-dead fire, her balaclava having been pulled up over her head, giving her a claustrophobic panic. She pulled it down and looked around. Light had brightened the room, the weak morning daylight that assured you that, yes, the sun would be along shortly. If you could please just be a little bit more patient. Whoops and laughter came from Scrooge's room, so Jenny got up and peeked through the door. He donned his hat and scarf and was doing a little jig, looking ridiculous and happier than any adult had a right to be. He saw Jenny and danced over. Oh, good morning, good morning, good Christmas morning. Jenny, is it? Jennifer? Jenny? Jenny the camera woman? Oh, Jenny's a camera woman. It is a glorious day. The spirits did it all in one night. Did you learn? Did you become redeemed? He held her hand in both of his and looked at her with shining blue eyes. She felt tired by his exuberance. I I don't really know. Oh, well, perhaps it will come to you. Think on what you've seen. Learn from it. Oh, it is a joyous day. Will your TV programme air? When can I see it? His conversation structure was dizzying. "'I don't really know. This one may take some some time in the edit, "'but it's our last show, so it won't take too long to get it up.' He looked shocked. "'Your last show? But this one should propel you to the next pay bracket. "'Think of it. You have proof the spirits are here among us, "'and they are here to do good. Do you understand? "'Oh, the good they have done me!' He stopped suddenly, an idea pulling his cheeks wide in what appeared to be a rather unfamiliar smile. "'I know! You can work for me! I'll want to chronicle my life and the charitable deeds I do. I will double, no, triple, what the studio pays you.' He dragged her from the room and down the stairs. "'I shall hire your friends as well. Let's find them.' They tumbled into the kitchen like a puppy dragging a ragdoll. Lydia and Robert sat at the table, drinking tea and talking quietly. They looked up in confusion. Merry Christmas, Scrooge said. We have returned, just in time for Christmas, too. Now, Jenny tells me you are not doing any more shows after this one, which I feel was a shame. A damn shame, in fact, and something that must be fixed. If you won't continue your excellent show, then you must work for me. I need chroniclers. I need... He got that look on his face again. I need bards. I need bards to tell the tale of what I plan to get done. So very much to get done. So very much to do. He put his arm around Jenny and grinned at all of them. So will you do it? They drove home in a sombre mood. Robert broke the silence. Scrooge seemed much changed by his experiences. Maybe it's because we weren't as dreadful as he was. Maybe because he saw all three ghosts, Lydia said. Maybe, Robert replied. They were silent for another couple of kilometres. Robert and Lydia began talking about what they'd seen. Robert's family sounded a lot like like Jenny's. They ignored, rather than mistreated, withheld praise and love. He had gotten a girl pregnant in high school, but she'd moved away instead of telling him. He'd found out from the spirit, and had found out that the boy had died at birth. Lydia hadn't spoken to her family in two years since she'd come out. Her father was currently ill, and regretting how they had left things. Robert and Lydia had learned things about each other's pasts, like Jenny had both of theirs, and there were apologies and tears. There were promises. They bonded. Jenny sat in the back seat, her insides tight and dark and pretending very hard not to listen. When they were done, they glanced at Jenny. "'What happened to you last night?' She looked out the window at the snowy roadside. "'Nothing.' Jenny woke from her doze when the car stopped. Robert hadn't stopped at her flat. They were in front of a very swanky house. It was 7.45. "'Where?' she asked. "'This is my house.' Robert said. She blinked. She'd never been there before. He opened the door for her, smiling. ''I'd really like to get some sleep, Robert,'' Jenny said. ''Can you drop me home?'' ''Penelope is just now making breakfast,'' Robert said. ''You really shouldn't go to bed on an empty stomach. Besides, I want to see my daughter up in her presence.'' Jenny sighed, selfish of him. Robert had taken his income from his television work and put it to good use. His house was, to be fair, quite lovely. Not a matter of Scrooge's size, but certainly looking as if it was something Scrooge would have purchased as a younger man. "'Daddy!' the shout was both joyful and accusatory. And then Robert's arms were full of a bundle of pink nightgown and black braids. He kissed his daughter and hugged her tight. She squirmed, "'It's Christmas, Daddy! Why weren't you here when I woke up?' I had some work to do, precious, but I'm never working on Christmas again. I'm so sorry. She tolerated his hugging for about a second longer before she wormed out of his grasp and took him by the hand. Mummy's almost got breakfast ready. Come look at my presents. Hang on, Robert said. You didn't say happy Christmas to Aunt Lydia or Miss Jenny. The girl gave Lydia a hug around her waist and looked at Jenny with her big brown eyes. Who are you? The directness took her back. ''I'm Jenny.'' ''Oh, happy Christmas, Jenny!'' She grabbed Robert again and dragged him away. Lydia looked at the girl and sighed. ''Think you'll ever have kids someday?'' Jenny shrugged. ''Doubt it. I've not had a lot of luck with men.'' She laughed. ''Me neither. I need a sperm bank, but I would like to have a child someday. I just can't raise one alone.'' Jenny nodded and looked out the window. Lydia looked at her briefly and sighed. ''Take off your coat, Jenny.'' Penelope is a fantastic cook, and she's probably forgiven Robert by now. Jenny suddenly felt like she'd missed an opportunity. So, uh, are are you seeing anyone? Any hopes of a child on the horizon? Lydia smiled a little sadly. No. I let the job get the best of me. Past few years. Too much work. Not enough sex. She laughed. Jenny found herself joining in. I think I can relate to that. Lydia embraced her briefly, leaving it too stunned to respond you do an amazing job on the show, Jenny, and you really do need to be told that more often. She let Jenny go and led her to the kitchen. Robert embraced a startled, laughing woman in a bright blue dressing gown and tears strewn from both of their faces. Are we interrupting? Lydia said, grinning. They broke apart and wiped their cheeks. Not at all, Penelope said. She had long dreadlocks, held back in a bright yellow scarf and a round, friendly face after a quick splash of water on both her hands and her face she took a deep, calming breath and smiled widely her beauty moving from pretty to astonishing she took both Jenny's hands in hers Jenny, Robert has told me so much about you and I see your skill on the show I'm so sorry it's taken me this long to meet you will you please join us for breakfast? um, sure I'd love to thanks very much Penelope returned to the stove, and Robert and Lydia started telling her everything that had happened in the night. At first she was sceptical, but with Lydia backing up Robert, she finally accepted it. Jenny still felt as if her tongue were a wooden plank filling her mouth, and she stayed silent the whole time. Was she going to die? How? When? Would she go unmourned? Would she ever learn more about Robert's family, about if he ever could properly connect with and mourn with Monique? Would she ever be able to apologise for Lydia for not helping her when she needed? And would she be dead before Lydia met the woman she would fall in love with? Something tugged at her sleeve and Verity was there, wanting to show off her presents. Jenny was led to the living room, where a massive Christmas tree brushed the thirteen-foot tall ceiling and toys lay strewn all over. She sat by the window, overlooking the street as Verity brought her dolls, books and a plastic sword. She had a painful, nostalgic pang as she remembered slaying her sister over and over again, playing the Brave Princess. She glanced out the window and tried to compose herself. A stalled car caught her attention. A frustrated woman in a yellow hat got out and slammed the door. White smoke began steaming from under the hood and she kicked the tyre. Something pulled at Jenny's memory. A strand of blonde hair snuck out from beneath the woman's cap. She remembered. Lydia laughing and going through ornaments. Jenny glancing into the kitchen. Robert and Pen- Penelope had sat down to talk quietly again, while Lydia came out and offered her a hesitant smile. It was pointless, really. The rabbit who crawled into her hole and kept her back to the world may call itself ignored, and after a few seasons there was no one to blame but herself. Jenny slowly returned Lydia's smile. So, Lydia said, putting her hands on her hips, "'Did nothing really happen to you last night?' "'Nothing that needs talking about,' Jenny replied, "'but I promise I'll tell you all about it later.' "'She hesitated one more time, then took her hand and led her to the door. "'The G looked puzzled as Jenny handed over her coat, "'but first I think there's someone outside who just brought down, "'and it's, it's Christmas. I was thinking we could maybe help.' "'Should we get Robert?' she asked. "'I don't know a lot about cars.' "'No,' Jenny said.' She's not the one I'm helping. And then they went outside to meet the woman in the yellow hat.
0: And that was our story. We hope you enjoyed it. I'll save my usual outro blatherings here. This is a bonus episode, and I have family to be off to as soon as I'm well enough to work those gas pedal things. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, and is distributed on a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. All of the rights are reserved by our authors, who have some pretty kick-ass ghosts on their side. If you like this week's story, eh, you know what? We didn't do anything formal this year with closing down donations and all, but I'm not going to ask today. If you like this story, do something nice for somebody. Give to an organization you like. Help somebody start their car. Listen to that crazy relative that nobody can stand anymore. Most of all, the people you love, make sure that they know that they are loved. Do not hold that back. That shouldn't be just a Christmas thing. I know most of you will hear this after Christmas, but if you feel you haven't shared your love enough, today is as good a day as any to start. Oh, and check out our sister podcasts, Pseudopod and Podcastle, at their .org domains. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju at daikaiju.org. Our special closing music... Yes, this is becoming a habit, but it is my absolute favorite version of this song. It's Twisted Sister's version of O Come All Ye Faithful, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network, which is now MusicAlley.com or something. That was our second show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from Charles Dickens, author of a moderately famous book called A Christmas Carol, in which he said, quote, Nothing ever happens on this globe for good at which some people did not have their fill of laughter at the outset. We'll see you next week, really next week, with a New Year's Eve episode. Until then, Merry Christmas to all, and to all, have fun.